Uh, good evening. <coughs> it's uh, good to be back with the Saints in uh, Fernley. I always appreciate the warm welcome. Uh, the passage we're in tonight is Exodus and chapter 31. And we'll just read uh, the whole chapter here. Exodus 31, I had to, I lost my Bible just as I was coming out. Well, not as I was coming, I couldn't find it. So I've stolen my brother-in-law's Bible. So if things don't quite make sense, well, my translation's a wee bit different. That's the explanation there. Um, verse 1 of chapter 31, And the Lord spake to, unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given him, with him, Aholiab, the son of Ahizmach, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded thee. The tabernacle of the congregation, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is there upon, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, and the table that is the furniture, and the pure candlestick with all his furniture and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all his furniture and the lavar and its foot and the clothes of service and the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded thee shall they do. In the next section, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it's holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death, for whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy unto the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generation for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tablets of testimony tablets of stone uh, written with the finger of God may the Lord bless the reading of his word now I trust you've been enjoying your studies uh, through the book of Exodus it's a wonderful book uh, wonderful pictures um, the great theme of redemption, and I think it's always helpful to uh, put ourselves in the context of our chapter, 
Um, and I'm not going to labor this because I'm sure most people go over this every time. Um, but the people, we followed them, the people of Israel. The first scene we got uh, as the book opened was a people in bondage. A people in bondage and they were building bricks and Pharaoh was commanding them to build more bricks and so on and so forth. And uh, that was the first uh, object and aspect of the book. A people in bondage, um, as the book goes on, uh, we come to the blood. Uh, the next object, the blood, the value of the applied blood. And they go from bondage, and because of the covering of the blood, they, they can make their way through the, the Broadway of the Red Sea into a barren place. And uh, it's there in the barren place that the Lord is going to show them, even there, that he can sustain them. And, and because of the blood, they can, in, in the wilderness, enjoy uh, the bread, that manna from God. And then the next section is at the foot of Sinai uh, from chapter 19 to 24. And uh, there, uh, Moses speaking with God, and God, God gives him the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. As well as that, he gives him uh, instruction and commands for the people of Israel, how they should live, and so on and so forth. And he says, write this down, Moses, write this down in a book, so that the people that have, that have been in bondage and have come under the banner of the blood and have enjoyed the bread in the wilderness can be a people that will now live uh, by the book. And he, he gives them all... Uh, the, the instruction so that they could live and regulate their behavior in a way that would glorify God. And it's just wonderful to think of all um, that God did for these people. And you, you ask the question, could there be anything, anything more? <clears throat> and as you read on from chapter 25 to the chapter we're in tonight, uh, the Lord says, and uh, Phil mentioned this in his prayer this evening. He says, I want to dwell with my people. I want to dwell with them. And it's always been the desire of God to dwell with his people. And, and therefore he gives this, this blueprint to Moses so that they can build a house so that uh, God can come down and dwell with them. And this is the section we're in, um, instructions about the tabernacle. And in our particular section, there is six... Um, well, it's speaking of the character or the profile of the people that God wants to dwell with. And there's six aspects to this, and I'm, and I'm sure Drew was uh, speaking on these uh, last week. And there's six, they're introduced six times, and the Lord spake unto Moses. The first time in chapter 30 and verse 11. And there it was about being numbered and amongst the people and a ransom people. And, and if they do this, there'll be no plague upon them. And the first aspect, the first feature of the people of, of God whom uh, God would want to dwell with is that they're saved. And the ransom price has been paid. Um, and just for us, it's, it's so important to never, remember, uh, to never forget to thank God for our salvation. A saved people. Then the second section from 17 on is um, about the lavar. And um, he says you have to wash. You have to wash your hands. You've got to wash your feet. And it's not, it's not just being saved, but it's about being sanctified as well. And then the next section, it speaks of these uh, anointing oils. And, and, it, and it was taken and it was 
um, in profusion anointed Aaron and then given, sprinkled upon uh, his sons as well. And, and they, they would go about and, and they would have this uh, aroma about them and it enriched their life as it were. And, and we're familiar with this picture, the Holy Spirit being given to us. And um, as, as they moved about, these, these priests, um, they would carry with them that smell um, of that, that uh, in, um, incense that was anointed on them. And, and there was that influence, and they were a, a different people. And that's the idea. We're a saved people, we're a sanctified people, but we're a spiritual people. There's evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then the final section of chapter 30 um, the spices and this incense and I'm, I'm sure you looked at that and the lovely balance and the ingredients in that and all that that speaks of um, and, and it was to be put on the golden altar and, and the sweet smell went up into the nostrils uh, of God and, and the idea is you have to be a people uh, reaching heavenward um, and the anointing oil you see it came down uh, from God down upon the people and we saw a picture of the Holy Spirit but in this last section the, the spices, uh, this incense it goes from man up to God and you see the, the duality of direction God gives us his spirit and one of the first evidences of this that speaks about this is um, we cry out Abba Father and, and we're to be a saved people a sanctified people um, a spiritual people and a supplicating people and, and it speaks of the picture of prayer um, so the section we're in tonight looks at the last two uh, aspects and, and characteristics of the people whom God will dwell with and that is a serving people and a Sabbath people and I think it's important I spent uh, a fair amount of time on that it's important to to understand the context um, as we go forward. So, a serving people, um, from verses 1 down to 12. And it's a marvelous thing that God not only saves a people, but he equips us so that we can serve him. And, and we'll see what that looks like in, in, in this section. Now, I think it's important... Um, just to to understand this at, at the, the outset, they were building the, the tabernacle, and when you read in Hebrews, the tabernacle it's a model of of heavenly things. It's a model of a a superior reality, and it's it's really a model of heaven itself. And when these these men came and, and the people came together and they built the tabernacle on, on the earth, the vessels and the veils and all these things and they put it all together. And, and when they had completed it, they were absolutely certain. <clears throat> they were absolutely certain that they had reproduced something of heaven here on earth. You see, this is, this is important because this is what gives activity here in, in our churches, dignity. Um, and you ask the question, why we bother? We put on all these services and we, we go to all these meetings and the various uh, practical things we're involved in and all the, the grief and, and problems and difficulties that can come along with these things. And we ask, well, is it worth it? 
Well, it, it comes to us tonight, and it, it's, it's a wonderful encouragement just to think that when we're engaged in, in the work and the service of God, in, in this, the building up of the church of God, in the, the desire to see souls saved, <clears throat> according to Scripture, according to the blueprint, when we're practicing it and reproducing this on earth, we're reproducing something which has its uh, very origin in the, the heart of God, in the mind of God, a heavenly origin. And oh, the, the dignity of it all as we build his church here on earth and are served to, to seek to build his church and, and seek to desire to uphold scripture um, in our assemblies. Now, <clears throat> I would like to just work my way down the passage and pull out some very practice, a very practical passage about service. Um, and it's not, I'm not going to go particularly structured, I'll have headings as we go. But the first thing I want to notice is the sovereignty of God in the choice. It says, And the Lord spake to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel. And the Lord said to Moses, right away, he says, I've picked him. Here's this man, and, and I've, I've chosen. He didn't apply for the job. And he's the person that God has chosen to do this work of building up the, the, the tabernacle. And, and I suppose the sovereignty of God in service isn't something we always like to speak on. When it comes to the work of God, we must remember God is absolutely sovereign in the instruments he chooses to use. And this was the, the issue in the, the Corinthian church, was it not, where, where there was a discontentment and a confusion and people were, were seeking to be certain uh, things and, and were seeking to have certain gifts and they were going in for them and, and it was almost getting taught that if you didn't have certain gifts you were a, a, a lower rate Christian. And, and Paul has to address this and deal with this in chapter 12. And you're familiar with the analogy he uses of uh, the human body and the different functions and facilities the body has so that it, it can work together and, and operate well. And, and he says this, God has set the members in the body, in this little expression, as it pleased him. And, and it's, it's that, it, it literally is because it was his will. And we, we just must remember that God has chosen and God has sovereignty when it comes to his work. And he says, Moses, I've picked the man. And, and that's that. Bezalel will be the chief's craftsman. And, you know, in our service for God, it's important to remember this. He saves each one of us for a purpose. And each one of us is, should be serving our, our Lord and Savior. And, and that's one of the great things of the Christian life. We're seeking to, to find out what the Lord would have us do in our service for him. And in the grand scheme of things, where we would fit in, the little space we would occupy, and that we would occupy in contentment and for his glory. You know, if we're always shuffling about and just a wee bit discontent with our particular service and our particular, and we wished we were doing that or we wish we were uh, like him or her, you know, we're not going to be all that uh, constructive to God. Uh, may God help us uh, to be content 
with the place and the service he has given us in recognizing his sovereign choice. So you see the sovereignty in God's choice, but look at the spirit when it comes to the service of God. He says, see, I have called the name Bezalel, and verse 3, and I have filled him with the spirit of God. You see, the Lord had a, had a job to do, and there was no one on the face of the earth as far as natural ability and capability was concerned that could do that job. Now, I'm sure Bezalel was a talented man. He had an eye for things and he was handy. But if he was going to reproduce on earth something that had its very origin in heaven, he was going to need more than natural ability. And God says, I've filled him. I've filled him with the Spirit, with the Spirit of God. Oh, to be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm not going to go into the the theology of this, people are confused enough uh, what that means in the New Testament. Um, but it's it, it, just to simply say this, if we want to have an input in the building up and in the service of, of the heavenly sanctuary of God, the building up of his church, the saving of souls, and seek to serve and work in a, a manner and in, in a pattern after uh, how God would describe us to. We can only under the influence and with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Something often missed and not spoken on. It's very important. And I have filled him with the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, again, it's an encouragement as I've been thinking of this. You know, preachers often speak and they say uh, to, to the young people, they say, you know, you need to get involved in your assembly. You need to be serving the Lord. And it can be hard because... You know, you look at that man and he's got a good understanding of the Greek and that's fine for him. And, and you can look at an older lady and she's got a house and she can make wonderful waffle berry pie and all this. And, and we just wonder, well, I'm just an ordinary Christian. But it's an encouragement tonight as we consider that we've been filled with the Spirit of God, if we are truly his. And, and it's the same Spirit that fills us all. And who knows the potential that could be released from a life that is filled with the power of the Spirit of God. And you have the indwelling of the Spirit as much as him or as much as her. And just to take what we have and to take who we are and to place it in the hands of God and, and see what he could do with that. It's a tremendous thought. Now, <clears throat> that's the sovereignty of the choice of God in selecting his man. And he fills him with the spirit, the spirit when it comes to service. Now the supply, the supplying of the spirit. Now look at verse uh, three here. And I filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge. And what a trilogy that is. Wisdom, understanding and knowledge and great themes in scripture. And we could spend the rest of the night on those alone, um, we won't. But it's, it's interesting as uh, you look in Scripture to see other places where those three are mentioned. And uh, just one, uh, if we could turn to Proverbs 24. It's also mentioned in Proverbs 3 and in Ephesians 1 and, and many other passages. But Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through wisdom, a house is builded, 
and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled. And you get something there, I think, of the progression, and the Spirit fills them with wisdom and with understanding and with knowledge. And, and I think spiritually as we look at these, it's the house is builded by wisdom. It speaks of uh, salvation. And by understanding, it is established. That's to be further grounded in the things of God. And then it says, and by knowledge shall the chambers or shall the inner chambers be filled. And that speaks of a closer relationship and a closer communion that we have with God. And these are the things that the Spirit fills us with. And these are the things that are necessary if we want to see the church of God being built in a manner unto his glory. Oh, that we would have in the service of God a spiritual apprehension and intelligence. Now, not only that, but in verse 4, we see the, uh, the suitability of the servers so we've seen the sovereignty of God in the choice and we've seen how he fills us with the spirit and with this wisdom and gives us the spiritual understanding but there is an aspect here the suitability of the workers and it says um, to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in the cutting of stones to set them and in the carving of timber and the work of all manner of workmanships. <clears throat> now it's lovely, isn't it? This this list, the, the gold and the silver and all these things and and we see that these men, Bezalel and Aholiab, they were able to work with these materials. Hmm? And brothers and sisters, this evening it's it, it comes to us the question, well, are we conversant? Are we uh, familiar and able to handle these materials? The gold, the silver, the brass, the precious stones, all these things. You know, I'm sure you've spoken about it uh, many times by now as you've looked at the tabernacle. But the gold, it speaks of God. It speaks of divine glory. And when it's us working with gold, it speaks of, of our contemplation of God. And do we make time just to consider God, to contemplate Him, to, to revel in the, His glory and in His character? Mm? Just to think about how once we were all sinners, wretched sinners, and He's quickened us and He's regenerated and put the Spirit of God in our lives and one day will glorify us. You know, these are, these, this is the gold, <clears throat> the great truths concerning the, the person of God and, and one day we'll sit there and, in, and inherit the, the throne of glory with his well beloved. You know, do we often think of these things? The wisdom of God, his kindness, his love to us. Spend time in the gold. Hmm. The silver speaks of redemption, doesn't it? To handle silver. The proclamation of redemption, not only our, our contemplation of God, but to, to proclaim silver, the, the, the price of redemption. And there was those silver sockets, and, and the silver was, was bought with the, the, the redemption money. And, the, and they sat between the, the, the boards and, and the, the earth. And we've been called out of this earth. We're, we're, we're to be separate 
but it's all through, in and through the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ. We often take time to consider these things, to wonder at just the great truths contained within Scripture. Then there's the place of brass, you know, the dedication of gifts, the brazen altar, and the gifts would be taken or the animals would be taken and they would come under the eye of God, under the judgment of God. That's the brass. <clears throat> Revelation 1 is that, that great um, scene of our Lord Jesus and he's got uh, feet of brass and the whole world one day is to come under the judgment, under the wrath of God. And then the place for the precious stones. Hmm? Those cut stones and they were engraved. And it speaks of the evaluation of souls. And the high priest, he, he wore that breastplate and, and there was the various precious stones on it. And, and on his shoulders as well. He wore those, those pads which had the, the, the precious stones on it. And it was the tribes of Israel and the people of Israel engraved on these stones. And between the two, there was this golden chain that linked them. And in other words, what the heart of the, the high priest desired, the strength of his shoulder could complete. And he desired that the, the people of God, that these, these Israelite tribes would be close to his heart. And he had a real... Burden for the souls of the people of God. You know, do we have that same burden? A desire to see souls saved, to be added to the church. Now, if you go on, we want the linen and the the morality of Christ and the wood and all these things. But the question is simply this. Do we take time to contemplate on these things? Are we familiar with these materials and, and, and have a desire to seek and to peer into Scripture and seek out truths contained within, to learn more of His grace, to learn more of His uh, marvelous uh, glory? So that was the suitability of the workers. Now, the synergistic nature of service or the sharing is another S. And we see this in verse 6. <clears throat> and behold, I have given with him a Aholiab. Aholiab. Now we're introduced to another man here. Aholiab. There's been Bezalel. And just notice, Bezalel, um, from the tribe of Judah, the royal tribe, the kingly uh, tribe, <clears throat> Whereas Aholiab uh, from the tribe of Dan. The, the least of the tribes, the one who was last as far as marching order was concerned, last and far as the delegation of land was con- uh, concerned. Even in uh, Revelation 7, when speaking of the 144,000 and, and how people are called out of the 12 tribes, Dan isn't even mentioned. But you see again in this choice, the sovereignty of God. And he's not interested in the status of your family. He's not interested in in these physical aspects. He's interested in in the workers and the servers' hearts. Do they pulse after the things of God? And these two came together in a sense, a recipe for disaster. And, And man may have never put them together, but God brings them together. And the simple lesson... I take from this is when it comes to the service of God, 
We've seen the sovereignty, but when it comes to the service of God, you've got to be able to work alongside other people. You know, a lot of service and a lot of assemblies, in fact, have been ruined because of mavericks. People that can do things, that only do things in a certain way. And they had to do it their own way and their heads strong. But you see, when it came to the, the building up of the tabernacle, they had to work together. And all, it says in the end of verse 6, and, and to those uh, who were wise-hearted, all those who were wise-hearted, and they all came together to build the tabernacle um, of God. So he commands them to work together, but he also commands them according to uh, stipulation. And this is the end of verse 6 down to verse 11. And it says that they may make all that I have commanded thee. And there's the various uh, the, the list of things there in verse 7. You see, they needed more than just energy. They needed more than just activity. And when it comes to the service and work of God, yes, these things are important. We need to be active and we need energy. But we have to remember that that has to be tempered by obedience. And it would be no use if, if there was a fellow here that, that got out his axe and, and his saw and he went down, he cut a tree and he fashioned it and molded it and it was a lovely piece of, of work and he was just like, I just want to work for God and he would take it and he would cover it in gold and he would produce this, this wonderful um, ornament or whatever it may be. And he says, I've done this for God. You know, it would be no use if God had never stipulated what he was doing. If it was never in God's will for him to make that, it would have been no use to God. You see, it's more than just activity. And so often we, we, we can just be doing things, activity, preaching and running events, and all these things are good, but it has to be within the atmosphere of Scripture and with the atmosphere of obedience unto the Word of God. You know, I was just thinking earlier on today, that passage, you know, it says, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that in your name? The Lord says, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. He says, it's the one that doeth the will of my Father. That's it. Our activity has to be done within the will of God. In obedience to him. And that means we got our instruction uh, from scripture. And they were to take the pieces that they made, and, and they would lay them out before Moses. You see this in the, the chapters. And Moses would look over them and see if they were made accordingly. You know, one day our services and our work will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And was it wood or, or, and stubble that we were building with, or was it the, the gold and the silver? Our work will be evaluated. And the question is, was it done according to, to popularity or according to our own tastes and desires? Or was it according to the blueprint and the pattern of God? And it's just lovely to think um, the great result of this service as they built this up and they, they did work and they worked according to the blueprint and they built it all. Um, just to think in chapter 40, just turn... Just turn to chapter 40, verse 34. And I suppose this is the satisfaction of service. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. I know that the, 
the presence of God would be um, experienced here in, in this assembly, but not just that, that the very glory of God would be present. And people, as they look on, would see something different. A people set apart, a people that know something of the glory of God. Now, um, just very quickly, the symbolism in this passage. I wasn't sure to put this in, but as uh, time went on, I decided to. There's these two gentlemen, Bezalel and Ahuliab, and they're the, the two main people. And I was wondering as I initially read this, well, why are these two picked out? Is there any relevance to this? And when you, when you read their names in the other places in Scripture, it's always... Uh, mentioned in a pair. And these were the people that were um, responsible, these two men, to piece together the tabernacle. Now what, I'm, what I see here is the tabernacle, as we've seen, is building up the body of Christ, the church. And, and I see in Bezalel, Christ and Aholiab, the Holy Spirit, and ourselves in uh, the hearts of all that are wise-hearted. Now, <clears throat> look at Bezalel. It says, we've seen already from the tribe of Judah and the son of... Now, a son possesses something of the character of his father. The son of Uri, which means light or, or fire, and the son of her, which means white. And I think as you begin to piece this uh, together... Um, we think of Christ, the one who has sprung from Judah, and it speaks in Hebrews of his character, and it speaks of him, um, his nature as that of being light and fiery, and yet altogether white, altogether pure. And Bezalel's the one that's been filled with the Spirit of God to complete this great work. So that this, this all, and that he's blessed in all manner of workmanship to do everything that is essential for the completion of the tabernacle. Where again, the tabernacle is a picture, as we look forward, of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his name means to be in the shadow of God, close to God. And when you come to Aholiab, uh, you see his name means uh, in the tent of his father. <clears throat> and uh, I take it that this is that one who stays in, in inclusion in the background. And this, um, this is the ministry of the Spirit of God. He's to take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. And you see that in the book of Acts. He's there and he's present and, and he, he's doing these things and he stays in the background so that Christ may be glorified. And his father's name, Ahazamach, he, uh, that means brother of support or upholding or, or to comfort. And, and we think of the Holy Spirit, that one who, who comes alongside. He's, uh, it says in Scripture, I will send to you another, the comforter, to come to your side and to assist you. So you have Bezalel, the, the, the head, the one who works you, who has the ability for all workmanship, and Aholiab who comes alongside, and um, I see Christ and the Holy Spirit in that. 
Christ who, who is the, the cornerstone and, um, it's the, and, and prepared souls so that when the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2 in the day of Pentecost, the church could be formed and could continue to be built. Now, I mention this not for the sake of mentioning it. I mention it because as I've been considering this the past couple of days, I think there is value in seeing this because where we fit in is in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted. And, and these people who would have, have been working alongside would have taken their lead, would have taken their orders from Bezalel and they um, would have seeked to emulate something of his workmanship in their work. And what I'm learning is that Christ, he is, he's the architect. We, we read that in Hebrews. The captain of the subject, the one who, who laid the foundation, who blazed the trail. And we're to look up to him. And we're seek to emulate his, his life and his actions, his compassion, again, his, his love, these, these things of gold. We think of the, the burden he had for souls. And that, that we would seek to imitate him in our service. It speaks of this in 2 Corinthians 6. Workers together with him. What a privilege. What a privilege. And let us never lose sight of this. Now, <clears throat> that is uh, the, the serving people. He says, I want to dwell with you got to be saved all these things you've got to be a serving people and and now finally this last section the sixth section uh, a sabbath people now just quickly <clears throat> it's interesting in this section uh three times it's mentioned that if you don't keep my sabbath there'll be there'll be consequence and I suppose this may have come as a bit of a surprise as they were reading this. Um, because God has just uh, delineated to them about this work that they're to be involved in and the importance of this work and the importance of working hard. And I'm sure in their minds, Bezalel and Aholiab and all these, these wise-hearted people, I'm sure in their minds that they were just wanting to get on with the work to get on with building up this tabernacle. And, and they would have viewed it as a very important work that nothing should distract them from the work. And that's the most important thing that they, just, that they get to work and they keep working and working. And yet in the very next section, the Lord says, and he says it's the most important thing of all, that you take a day off, that you observe uh, the Sabbath. And I thought it's, it's interesting because what is getting taught in this section is the Lord saying, I, I enjoy a people that work for me, a people that serve me, and that work hard in accordance with the Scripture. But there's something I enjoy even more. And that's people that give me time, not just in service, but give me time to commune with them. And every Christian should be a Sabbath Christian. I don't mean that in the sense that we keep Sabbaths. The Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ. We understand this. But the, the, 
practical aspect and the principle is there. That we would seek to spend time with God. And it says, just follow with me in verse 13, um, that at the end, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. So a Sabbath people, a sanctified people, and this idea of being sanctified is closely linked with being uh, holy, being set apart, uh, set apart from that which is common. And the idea is you're set apart because you belong to him in some special way. You're connected to him and you're, if you like, uh, consecrated unto God. And the idea is this, when you read of, of sanctification, the first time it's mentioned in Scripture is in Genesis, Genesis 2, I think, when um, he sets apart the Sabbath day. And the idea is this, in Exodus 31, as the people observed the Sabbath, those looking on the nation surrounding would see that they were different, that they were set apart. And as people looked on, it functioned to signify that the Lord had set them apart from other nations. And it's important to understand this. And I think the challenge comes to us, and, and just with this, I close. The application is this. It's important, the work of God, the service of God, absolutely. But we can't be too busy to not have time to spend with God. Because it's in that time that we're set apart unto the work of God. It's in that time, from that time as we grow more Christ-like, that as people look on, they see a difference. And we live in such a, a busy world today. And we can even be so busy and bogged down in Christian work. And we've lost sight of why we're doing it. And it's important that we take time away spend time with him, to rest on him, to wait on him. And, and it speaks of the refreshment that you get from that. And we don't just rest in his creatorial work now, but in the finished redeeming work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and we long to see the full um, fulfillment of this and go into the rest, but we're in it now, in a sense. <laughs> we won't go into that. We don't have time for that. And we'll see the fulfillment of these things in a day to come. Are we too busy to give him time? Are we so caught up in service that we've lost sight of, of whom we're serving? Oh, that we would just get away. Come come away with me. That we would get... Um, this is, it's in times like that that the uh, ability to work in these materials, in the silver and in the brass and in the gold, that's where we glean those abilities that we can then go back and build up the church of God. It's in that time that we get a real burden for souls so that we go out and we seek to, to see them saved. We seek to see them added to the church of God. Or that we be a serving people and a Sabbath people. Let us just uh, pray. Uh, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time we can spend in your word. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for what we've learned tonight. Oh, that we would seek to serve you in a spirit-filled way, in a way that's uh, marked by spiritual intelligence, in a way that's marked according to scriptures, and that we would be active, not in, in secular activity, but in spiritual activity. 
And Lord, I pray that each of us individually, those of us who know you would also have a, a, a desire to spend time with you, to spend time to get to know our Heavenly Father better, and that would inspire us on in the service of God. We thank you again for Scripture and how practical and how challenging it is. And we just pray this all in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Now, I was going to give out the last hymn, but I forgot my hymn book. It's, I think it's very fitting. It speaks of both the work that we're involved in and uh, time spent.